All right, welcome back to part two of this conversation with Arlen Dolan on sales and negotiations. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Okay, gang, I'm going to keep this opening context very short and to the point because we want to get right to the, all the action and all the content and information from this podcast episode. The only thing I'm going to stress very much is this episode you're going to listen to can be a very good standalone episode. You will get tremendous amount of value from it as a standalone episode. But if you want to get the best out of it, you want to get the most, you want to truly optimize the experience, make sure you listen to both of these episodes and listen to them in order. That's the way you can get the most out of this podcast episode. So with all that being said, let's just get right after it. Make sure you stick around right to the very end. I have a special uh, message for you that I want to share with you at the very end. Okay, let's get after it. Guys, here's what we're going to do. We're right around that one hour mark. Um, and I do want to, we're, we're, you're good for some more time, Arlen. Are you okay if we maybe do some some Q&A well, and stuff like that too? Just before we do that, let's answer one question that I get that I've had a million times. Mm. And Please. that is, I get the question, why don't I just do it myself? Mm, yes. I don't know. Have you had that? Why uh, don't I just? All the time. Uh, right. So in saying that, usually what I'll say to people when I get that, I always want to be honest, right? And I say, well, like, let's go back to the engineering firm that you work, that you own. Russell. <laughs> and that is, uh, so Russell, here's the thing. You know what? You started a business. You built it up to where you're at. Clearly, you're a sharp dude. Now, well, when, you started, your, when you started your business, you were probably rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, putting in long hours. You know, maybe even your first couple of employees were making more than you to begin with. But you fought through it. You did everything it needed to take. You made a bunch of mistakes. You got it figured out. You got it right. Now you're rocking and rolling. That it's no different with real estate. So here's the thing. You know, if you wanted to do it yourself, yeah, you need to. You know, you spend some thousands of dollars on some maybe some real estate coaching and courses. Um, go to a bunch of seminars. Um, you know, dedicate a lot of extra time to learning, knowing you're going to step on a few landmines along the way. But eventually, you're going to end up doing great. The question is, is that the path that makes the most sense for you? I can't answer that. So you got, you, got, you got that path that you could take, which, you know what, Russell, I know you'd do good at it if you decide to go that route. Or you have the path of working with me where I'm going to buy better than you. I'm going to manage better than you. I'm not going to step on the landmines that you may step on because I did that years ago and, and, uh, and got those things figured out. And when it comes time to sell, I'll probably do better on the sales side than you. At the end of the day, though, I'm getting half. So it's probably a wash, right? It's probably a wash. It's just that one is a lot of work and one is not. You put it in my hands for half the deal and I do all the work to take care of it all. And you have more free time and you just take care of your business doing what you know. And Russell, I don't know what's the better decision for you. Only you can answer that one. Wow. Arlen, shut up. Take my money already. So. <laughs> 
So, so, but here's the thing, guys. One of the things that you have to establish, it comes back to asking all those questions early, is you need to find out if a person's time starved, if they have a challenge of the time, right? And that's why you can have that conversation with them and just say about the time and effort that you're going to put into it, that that person doesn't have the time. Right. And I usually, even if they're thinking about maybe doing it themselves, I'll even say, you know what, if you get going on yourself, you have a couple of problems, you have a couple of questions, don't be afraid to give me a jingle. The so last thing you want to do is a deal with somebody who thinks they can do it themselves. Always, no matter what, it's just, you're, you're just going to, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. And now I have, a, I have a story for this is I was working and negotiating with, with somebody and um, I gave him some options uh, of things. And one of the options was to do a joint venture. And then I even went out to my, I went to my source, my best source to find a really good opportunity. And I found a really juicy um, garage suite opportunity in Edmonton, like just a, as rare as hen's teeth sometime to find one of these opportunities. And when I have a conversation with somebody, I tell them up front is I want you to make sure that uh, I earned the opportunity and I never, ever want somebody to have the feeling that they can go do it themselves. So I actually bring that up in the conversation early because I need them to give, I need them to be okay with working with somebody else because if they want to do it themselves, by all means, I bless you to go on your way. Okay. So the story is I found it, went there and I was just sensing something when I was talking to the person and I was sensing something and sensing something. I said, just, you know, what, what's up, what's up here? And they just said, you know what? I think that we can do this on our own. I said, I, I know, I, I think you can too, but just understand here, this, this, and this, and the time and all that kind of stuff. They said, you know what? We're, we're committed and we're prepared to do that. I said, no problem. Do you want this opportunity that I just presented to you to go do it 100% yourself? And they said, you do that? And I said, well, I, remember, my intention was to make sure you get what you're looking for and to help you move forward. If you moving forward means you do this deal 100% yourself, I'll go find another one. And they came back after and they said, wow, they just had so much more respect for that after. And I'm pretty sure the door is open that that person's going to come back after the fact, because I didn't say, well, that's my property. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home and I'm not going to play. I, I just said, you take this property and you go close on it yourself then. Right. And, and the person did. And I will be there right beside them celebrating that they did it. Because remember, my goal was to help them move forward and do what was best for them. The, the other thing I always say, you've probably heard me say this, Russell, but I say I've said to everybody that I've ever joined venture with, is a lot of times I get to I get to yes or or almost yes that they want to do it. And I said, well, I want you to think about it because here's the thing. If you're going to be nervous about this and you're going to lose sleep at night with this, I don't want you to do it because it's not worth it. It'd be better for you to make a lower return, leave it where it's at, than invest with me if you're going to lose sleep at night over this. Guys, I hope you wrote that one down too. That is a goal. I, that is some magic words too. I mean it, but it, it's got double meaning to it. One. It gives them an easy back door, which actually I've never had anybody take, but I'm, I actually mean it. It, it. An investment isn't worth it to somebody if they're going to lose sleep at night and worry every day. Also, on my side, there's a there's a vested interest for me to say that, too, because I don't want to ever have to deal with a partner that's going to call me every second day because some headline or something they've seen in the news. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And, and you have something to come back, let's say six months after you close that the person's coming back and every six months, every six minutes is sending you this news article and this news article and this news article, you can come back and say, remember we had that conversation about asking you if you would lose sleep over this? Are, are, right. are you, are you changing your mind on this now? 
Yeah, exactly. Right. And I had somebody, I and I had somebody, a uh, family friend who, you know, literally within six months of getting involved in an investment, they got scared after the fact. Um, and I think it was also, they got married. They, they got married and the, the spouse was not part of the negotiation from the beginning. And, um, and I just said, okay, well, just, I, I don't want to lose sleep or I don't want to lose a friendship out of this. So why don't we just cash you out? And I found a new partner to come in and cash them out right. on the deal too. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to take it on of having somebody have that anxiety of a stress of a new, a new marriage. Right. Right. But the thing is too, when you're doing this with joint ventures partners, you still got to be a leader. Like I'm like, I'll say to people, you know, so what do you think about real estate? You think it's a good investment? I go, to me, it's a complete no-brainer. It is the best thing out there, and I'm all in on it. I don't have money in all kinds of different things. I'm 100% on real estate. So do I believe in it? I mean, 100%. That doesn't mean that you have to, though. You ask me the question, I'm telling you what I believe. I'm all in. I'm 100%. No question about it. Not 99.9. I'm 100. The, only, the real question, though, that matters is how do you feel? So guys, did you guys watch that, for example, of people are looking for that certainty and people are looking for that confidence, right? That's what they're looking, they're looking for, for from certainty. you. Yes. And but you still got to do it in a way where they know they're still making the choice. I'm, I'm real clear about that. I said, I'm 100% certain. I'm all in. In fact, I got family invested in it, in real estate. So everything I say and everything I do matches that. But it doesn't mean that you have to feel that way. That's your choice. You tell me. Yeah. Wow. Now, did you guys also notice it's like eyes open? You're like he's engaged into it. There, there's there's no there's no wishy washy there, is there? No. You have to be a bit. You have to be excited, and you have to be a, a bit evangelical. Is that the right word? Evangelical. There we go. Yes. So you so, have to be because people want to follow. They want confidence. They want to follow. Wow. Now, now, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, uh, I highly, if if I do post this on YouTube, I don't know if I will. I have to get permission from the Raising Capital Academy members if I'm able to post this to the public, because um, I owe I owe them something first, and I owe, I believe in people that you know have VIP access to get to get something um, extra always. So I have to get their permission. But but guys, if you are watching this, and you will see just the way Arlen looked into the camera, which would be my eyes, and just just calmly stated it. And then the way you asked the question at the end too. Right. But I, but that's what I believe. But what do you. Right. That's when I started, that's what I, I had to get across that line to get my confidence because I didn't have the confidence when I started. I, I believed in real estate, but I, I, again, I'll be honest. I didn't have a hundred percent belief in myself. And then one night I just sat down and thought about it. I went, well, here's the thing. I know I can make it right if something goes wrong. I'll find a way to make it right. So it gave me my confidence so I can go out there and talk with authority and talk with confidence. I mean, you think about it, Russell, if you're thinking about investing with me, you said, so Arlen, so you really re like real estate then? And my answer was, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm dabbling. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's good. I mean, you're not going to give me the money. Like you need someone to say like, no, I'm a hundred percent there. I'm all in on real estate. I don't have investments in everything else. I'm not diversified. I'm all in because this is what I believe. Question is the real answer has to come from what, but what do you think? And then really what you're looking for is you're looking for me. If you were having this conversation with me is I need to make a commitment. I'm in Arlen. I'm all in. Right. 
or you're not. Yeah. And you really don't have an attachment either way. No. Your attachment is that I make a decision. I don't want them to do it if they don't feel good about it. I don't want them to. Yeah. I'm not there to talk them into something they're not comfortable with. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You need somebody who's committed, not somebody who's interested. Right. Right. And guys, the famous way, the famous thing of the difference between interested and involved versus committed is, you know, this morning I had bacon and eggs. The the chicken was involved and the pig was committed. So <laughs> that's true. So <laughs> anyways, but that's actually a joke that I use quite a bit to, to, to do the difference between involved or interested and committed at the same time right. with people. But that's what you're really looking for. You're just looking for people that want to be committed to the process. Is right. how, how does somebody practice this or how does somebody rehearse this or how does somebody get to the level of of the way and the confidence that you just are sharing these answers well one of the things that that i did both in sales and in real estate is as i get objections i'd write them down and then i'd find if you use the word which is true i use a lot of logic to to handle objections and i write down my my answers and then have those in my vehicle and I made a commitment to read them every single day so they could be like second nature and you're going to endlessly be adding to it, but it's one way so that things can just roll off your tongue and you're not stammering and not sure what to say. I mean, you've heard me say some stuff today on how, I mean, just a small percentage of the different things I say, but it has to work for you too, though. Like it has to feel natural for you. Like how Russell answers something and how I answer something might be slightly different. They might be both just as good, but they it has to be able to be something that rolls off your tongue. Yeah. But that's one way to do it. And and just so get that notepad, write them down, and then just find out the answers, right? Um, guys, one of the things I help out with when I'm coaching people, we do have conversations like this all the time. And we rehearse, we practice, no different than if you're going on stage uh, doing a live broadcast or um you know, a play, you practice the lines and you rehearse and you, you, you stumble and you fall flat in your face and you make yourself look a little bit goofy, but you rehearse and you practice. Now, here's the thing is the more you rehearse and practice the objections that come your way, the less objections you will hear. And I'm a firm believer in the reason why you hear less objections is because you're prepared for them. And when you're not prepared for something, it always comes up, right? So like you said, one way is to practice with somebody else, go back and forth, make it fun, make it a game, just practice back and forth with someone. But even before you practice, I, I would I would even be writing down some of the main objections that you either perceive you're going to get or ones that you've actually gotten and write down some logical answers. Yeah. I always, again, that's that salesman in me. You always have to remember though, you always hear the saying, buyers are liars. So that's not... A, People take that as a derogatory statement. It's actually not. People don't mean to lie, but usually a lot of times they're, they're shy to say no. So they'll use the excuse like, I've got to talk to a spouse or I need to have some time to think about it. So an objection sometimes isn't the real reason. you got to find the real objection. I 100% agree because sometimes it's it's like a... a layers of an onion there's usually it's it's and sometimes you have to ask what do you mean about that or why that and you have to ask it like five or six times until you get right down to the real core of where it's coming from right and you got to be able to present your offer in a way where the the value of what you're bringing is higher than the value of their money yeah yep. right? if their value of money is worth more they're not going to give it to you yep and 
quick, quickly share uh, um, a story with you here of, of somebody who I was working with, and he was looking to do his first joint venture. He just, uh, had, I think he was on his fifth place, fifth place, looking to do his first joint venture. And we, for for probably a couple months, not quite, maybe for sure a month of multiple conversations of just rehearsing all the things of what he's going to say, what they're going to say, what he's going to say, what they're going to say, we back and forth. And we exhausted everything. Okay. Right. Then he went to have his meeting with his potential investment partner. And then after the fact, um, I came back and said, how many of those things that you rehearsed did he have? Did he come back with? He said, not one. I said, but don't, didn't you feel confident that you practiced and rehearsed it before you went to see it? And he felt that and he just got his first $94,000 check this week. And, and you're 100% right because what, you, what, you, what he just did is he built confidence. Yes. And, right. he, and the, the person he was talking to felt that because he goes, I got this. I, I, anything he's going to say, as a matter of fact, you almost sit there and go, are you sure you don't want to ask me about this? <laughs> right. I mean, again, he probably did a good job too. Of course, as you know, in sales, the number one thing though, even more important than be able to answer an objection is the ability to listen. Yeah. You know, you got to listen to what they're saying so you can understand where they're, where they're, where they're coming from. And the, and like anything in life, I'm a firm believer, the more reps you do of something, the easier it gets. And then I'm, I, when I do, when I have with coaching people, when I'm coaching people is I will put you into, I will put them into fairly dire questions and I will really push people sometimes into really uncomfortable conversations because right. I would not be doing my job as a good coach to not prepare you for something that's going to be a little bit easier when you have it with a real life person. Get off my soapbox here for a second, guys. So, um, guys, um, there's some questions that have come in. Arlen, do you have a few more, few more minutes? We can yeah, dive sure. into a few. Okay. Let's, I'm going to, so one more time, guys, if you do have a question, put it in the Q and a box and we'll get it. And if you do want to be piped into the live feed, if you just raise your hand, we'll help Pete, we'll help you out there. So Karen, Karen asked the question. So, so hi folks, your position is that your joint venture partner is responsible for the 20% down payment and the mortgage, correct? Oh yeah. But I mean, any joint venture is what two people agree upon. There's not, it doesn't have to be any certain way, right? Absolutely. I could be qualifying. They're putting down the money. They can be putting down the money and qualifying. The deal could be 50, 50. That's normally what I do. It could be 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20. It's whatever, whatever two people decide upon. There's yeah. no right and wrong. Yeah, and that can be. That can 100%. So, so the simple answer I give to people is there really comes down to four variables. And the good news is I'm from Saskatchewan, so I gave all the four variables that start with the letter M. It comes down to money, mortgage, management, <coughs> and mastery. Who's providing the money? Who's qualifying for the mortgage? Who's the, providing the day-to-day -day operations master uh, management? And who's the master of the deal? And those four things need to add up. Right. Right. So, for example, if I don't have, if I'm doing all the work, plus I'm also the real estate expert, and my partner is putting up the mortgage and the down payment capital, that's something that we have a little framework which we negotiate. And right. in that case, then that person would be putting up the 20% down payment, plus a reserve fund, plus they're qualifying for a mortgage, and that's it. Hope that helps, Karen. Um, Tim asked the question is, do you get any income during the partnership at all? How do you answer, how do you answer, how do you get paid for handling all the work? In, I mean, again, it's, anybody can negotiate whatever they want. In my situation, no, I don't get paid along the way. That's my job. I do, the, like if you're on my side of things, if they're qualifying, 
and they put the down payment, the trade-off is I do all the work. And in, included in that work is, you know, I have a sale bill, I got a gas bill, I got lunch bills with realtors or with property managers. I have all that kind of stuff. That's my that's my side. Yeah. It's no different that they come up with money and they got it from a line of credit that they have to pay interest on. That's not my problem. Their their job is to bring money. How they bring it is up to them. You know, so if they're going to pay interest on it, you know, that's what they're going to do. Same with on my side. It's 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 if I'm buying lunches and buying beers and buying gifts and greasing up realtors and doing all that spending money and all this kind of stuff, internet connection and freaking you know all this stuff. That's that's my that's my job. So do you charge? Um administration fees or do you charge any fees or do you charge acquisition fees or do you do any of those for, for your deals? I don't. There's, there's no right and wrong. Yeah. I mean, you can do that. I know people that do it. I choose not to. That's just a choice of mine. It's not something I'm scared to negotiate. I know I can negotiate that kind of stuff in if I wanted to. I just don't. So then a question that Amanda asks is, you know, if you're bringing the deals to the investors, where do you make your money or profits? You can pay down real estate in the long term, but we all have our bills to pay on on, on the short term for ourselves. So really, I guess the question is, you as the real estate expert, how are you making your money? Well, I mean, again, I'll be honest, I didn't make money for a bunch of years. I mean, I made money on sale of property. I made money on, I could end up putting money in my pockets on five, seven years down the line on a refinance. Technically, you could say there's money in cash flow, but I always like to stick with the mantra there's not. But look, technically, you kind of could. You're not going to be doing this full time, investing in long term real estate, and not have a job. I mean, that's not realistic. I mean, yes, you could do flips and yes, you could do assignments and, and make money if that's your if that's your thing. But if we're talking long-term investments, no, it's not going to pay you for a yeah. number of years. Yeah. The, and then the, there would lie, there would be an entire conversation that we could have here, guys, is um, within the context of real estate. And this is what I help people with. There's make money strategies and there's hold wealth strategies. Correct. Typically, buy and hold is not a make money today strategy, right? right? But you can do other things. You can wholesale, you can flip, you can, you know, that's why a lot of people become you know, realtors or mortgage brokers or, you know, property managers, or there's just different strategies. And sometimes people get confused on their long-term buy and holds and they expect to make an income out of it. And they, right. they, they put, not to say it can't be done, but it's it's difficult. So here's a question for you, Arlen, and it's something that actually Morley brought up as well, and something that probably is the biggest objection and hurdle that we have to overcome right now is is really market confidence in Alberta, right? With people. And what how how are you helping people with that? Or or do you not provide that information to people? How how are you having those conversations with people about asking about the market? Okay, so well, what I do and it's all true, is I have a vague opinion. And I'll tell them my vague opinion, and I tell them that's all it is, is a vague opinion. Any Nobody under the sun has a crystal ball. That's a fact. So if I tell you exactly where the market's going to go, or if you have somebody else tell you where the market's going to go, they're full of shit, and I don't do that. I tell you the truth. So like, I'll, like my opinion is, I think, here in Alberta, we, we might have about another three years of flat and bumpy. And I think we have opportunity to really take off. 
Alberta, what a lot of people don't understand is pre-COVID, we already took our beat down. One, we took it in 07, 08. We've been taking we a beat down for 08 yet. We've been taking a beat down for 10 years. Right. <laughs> and then we took the oil price beat down, right? And then now we're at COVID. So basically, and the other thing is, is like use Edmonton for an example, we are the most affordable city in Canada, income versus housing values. At some point, they always go back to the mean. When is it going to go back to the mean? I don't have a crystal ball. I just know it's going to go back there. Yep. So I'm honest with people. Then I dial it back to what you heard me say earlier. When I, and, and again, that comes from a prior discussion or an earlier discussion with a JV partner where I say, let's look at our worst case scenario. If we're budgeting right and the numbers are right, after 25 years, a tenant pays off our property free and clear, index for inflation without taxes. At the end of the day, does it matter? It matters because we could give us a higher return, but if we don't get that where we're at, we're still in a pretty good spot. Yeah. And really you're just positioning it as we're in for it for the long haul. And and you can't promise anything, but you can have your best opinion on what you're doing and the actions that you're taking. Right. And I tell them I want them to decide based on the I don't really like using these words, but the worst case scenario based yep. on after 25 years, someone praised it off free and clear, index for inflation, and we didn't pay taxes along the way. That's it, it, based on that, does this make sense? Yes. Then the rest of it is just, we're waiting, we're hoping for gravy. I usually have a conversation. I don't, here's the thing. I usually, I usually do a little bit of a joke and say, you know what? My crystal ball broke about 12 years ago. And um, I've given up trying to time and absolutely predict futures of markets. But what I'm just trying to do is I'm just trying to find some really good new construction properties, some good assets that will cash flow and will be able to withstand the ups and the downs and everything in between. But just my pragmatic Saskatchewan in me is if you take a market, and I will, if I have somebody on this, if you take a market that's going like this upwards versus for 10 years or a market that's been going like this, maybe even slightly down for 10 years, which market has a greater chance of going up? The one that's been going up for 10 years or the one that's been flat for 10 years. Um, that's one of the reasons. That's just my pragmatic, simple approach to a market because no market can stay in the bottom forever and no market can stay at the top forever. I would right. much rather buy at a property in a market that's been in the bottom for a while. Yes. So, and I don't get into anything else too, too much detail in there. Now, as a matter of fact, and guys, if you are following my channels, following my podcast, following my YouTube channel, I actually have in the background, I'm doing something what I call a, an Edmonton confidence campaign where I'm trying, because that's one of the biggest hurdles I'm having at the moment is to get people the confidence to invest in Alberta. I'm interviewing people in Alberta in Edmonton, talking about opportunities, I'm building people's confidence to come back to Alberta to invest their money. And what I'm doing is, you know, as part of it's an education, but part of it's a confidence campaign to attract investors to me at the same time. Okay, so guys, sometimes you just need to follow the people that are active in this. I'm an active real estate investor. Arlen's an active real estate investor. We're not just talking theory. We do these things on a day-to-day -day basis. We're in the market each and every day to, to as, as investors of real estate. Sorry if I'm on my soapbox there, Arlen. But I, I'm a firm believer. I'm like you. I think um, 
there's going to be there are going to be some challenging times and no matter what market you're going to be in but i think edmonton and alberta are in a good position right now for future i, I see it as the biggest upside and that's just an opinion like you said neither one of us have a crystal ball that's yep. just my feeling all right so a couple other questions here um um, are all your joint venture investments long-term or do you do any short-term joint ventures? Do you do any flip joint ventures or have you done any flip joint ventures, Arlen? No, I haven't because you don't need to joint venture on a flip. You can just get hard money. Yep. There's no need to bring a joint venture. So I, I don't see why a person would do that. Yeah. Private lending right now would be how I would fund yeah, the flip exactly. portion, but then I would then take it once I've done the the renovation, I would then bring a joint venture partner in for the hold. And it's funny, I actually, Arlen, I'm going to date myself, but I know there's Keyspire out there teaches this flip to hold thing. Right. We taught that I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, we taught that I should have named it back then and put a trademark on it or something. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Andre asked the question is, how do you explain to a joint venture partner that cash calls are possible? Great question. I'm a different type of person so i don't yeah i i address it that if you know our, we're in a 50 50 partnership if we make money it's split 50 50 and if we lose money i mean like if there needs to be a cash call it's 50 50. now i mean we do it russell does the same thing we make sure we have a staying power fund from day one then after that i look at it it's my responsibility so at the end of the day have I ever been in a position in my early days of where I've had to do a cash injection? Yes, I have. I like to say I haven't, but yes, I have. But I put it in. I didn't even call them, didn't even bring it up. And the reason why is just in my mind, I want them to buy the house once, not a second time, not a third time, not a fourth time. Here, here's one of the things that I, and I'm going to add to that a little bit, is I 100% answered the same way as that if a cash call comes based upon our agreement because we are co-owners and our ownership position is after the initial money that's put up, every dollar that's put in is split based upon our ownership position. And let's say it's 50-50. Here's what I then tell a lot of people is the good news is if you own this property yourself and a cash call come, how much of it are you on the hook for? You're on the hook for 100% of the cash call. Um, because you have a partner in this business with you, I'm on the hook for 50% of that cash call. So isn't that nice that somebody else is willing to potentially put that, share that cash call with you right. if it does come? Now, I've had cash calls, Erlen. I've had my biggest one was a special assessment on nine units of $43,000 a unit. And we'll save that for another webinar. <laughs> right. That's not that's not a comfortable position. But But you know what? We survive and we get through those things and we endure. And we move on, right? But the good news is, is uh, we share those things, and and we're in this together as co-owners on this property. After the in- initial money is contributed, we will then con- have to contribute if a cash call is needed based upon our ownership positions. I'm an owner with you at the same time, right? Unlike your RSP guy, that he'll call and he'll say, "Your," and I do say this all the time. I go, "Your RSP guy will come back and say, yeah." You know, yours only went down 5%, but the market was 10. And you're going whippy ding because he's he got paid still. If we were on the on the wrong side of having to do a cash call, I have to pay up half. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do. I, I can't be putting up money. I gotta be making money. Yeah. So I'm more motivated than you to make sure that doesn't happen. 
Absolutely. Um, here's, we're going to use this as our last question and then we'll wrap up here, Arlen. Um, Joel asked the question is, how do you address investors' question about taxes and legals? I know one of them is an easier answer than the other, but I think they're both. That's a very vague question, but as far as legal, I mean, that's why they have me. I got a team that is their, this is their specialty is real estate investment and corporations. So that that we're covered on on the accounting side i mean i could hook i could hook them up with my account or the accounting other outside of the property the accounting is up to them right yeah Here, here's the thing is if it ever gets brought up about taxes i i never have conversations with people about their tax situation or any after-tax monies or any of that kind of stuff it's that's their responsibility to figure out their tax scenario and here's the conversation I have with this. It is my job for you to have to pay a lot of taxes. Because right. if you pay a lot of taxes, you've made a lot of money and I've done my job. So why don't we just focus on making the money and then you can figure out how to pay the taxes. Does that sound fair? Right. Right. And then with it comes to the, the, the lawyers and the legal is, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, X amount of years and this amount of transaction. I have an entire team that we can handle that. If you need specific independent legal advice for you, I can recommend somebody, but I encourage you to get legal advice based on your position, independent of me being there as well. And right. it's it only makes good sense that you do get independent legal advice about this. Those are all I have those conversations. Okay, so guys, wonderful questions, and I don't want to keep us here for too much longer. Like, but here's the thing: is Arlen, anytime you and I have this conversation, we could go on and on and on. And I just, anytime I'm in, when I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, I can see far, and I consider your shoulders some of the biggest giants that are out there. And before we do wrap up, I want to offer you a couple things, and I will give you the last word here tonight. I want to give you a compliment and let you know how you are showing up of late Arlen. You are leaning into some uncomfortable territory. You are not afraid to learn something new. And you're also not afraid to admit that you don't have all the answers. And even though all the transactions, some people say, well, you've made it Arlen, 300 properties, 25 years, you've done this, but you're willing to step up, you're willing to invest, you're willing to give back, and you're willing to help a next generation of real estate investors. And I just wanted to just thank you from the real estate investing community that I think you are an absolute treasure and we need to get you more. We need to get the treasure out more often. So are you okay if we do a few more of these kind of, uh, these kind of webinars, Arlen? We can, but you can't keep talking like that or my head's going to get so wide. I won't fit through that door frame there. I won't go <laughs> to my office. No, Arlen, you're, you're, you've, you have made such a measurable difference on a lot of people's lives. And I don't think enough people have probably told you that if it wasn't for you, I would have never, ever written that book behind me or created training programs on helping people overcome the obstacle of, of raising capital to help people get more tools to buy more real estate. And if it wasn't because of the cassette tape that I got in the mail one day that had your voice on it, that gave me the belief that I can raise some capital, um, if it wasn't for that, none of that stuff would have ever come to fruition. So I just wanted, just wanted to thank you for that. Okay. Thank you. And uh, and I want to leave you with the last word. What are some, maybe some final words of inspiration you'd love to people to to um, that are here on today's call? Of maybe they just maybe need a little bit of a little bit of Arlen Dahl and fire to to get us to take the next step. 
Well, I guess because this topic was sales, it just everybody just remember you're not selling, you're offering opportunities. And and don't take any type of rejection hard. It's kind of like if you went into a store and there's a green shirt and there's a blue shirt and you didn't want the green shirt, you know, the salesperson wouldn't feel hurt over that. It's just your choice. The second thing is that I think Russell, um, you will agree, neither one of us We've worked hard. We've done a lot of things right. We've made mistakes too. But neither one of us are overly special or overly gifted. We're just regular people. And we've done a good job. We've worked hard. That's part of it was working hard. And everybody else listening can do exactly the same that we do. In fact, with a little help along the way, like Russell's doing and different stuff like that, you probably kick our butt. Because Russell and I did it the hard way, didn't we? Yeah, it was back in the day where you had to wait an entire month in a cassette tape to get all this kind of information. Like right now, guys, you you literally seven days a week you could be on a Zoom call and getting this kind of gold delivered to you for for. But we t- weren't coached neither. Yeah, we weren't coached neither. We just went out there and did the best we could and and stepped on a few landmines. Yeah, there's an easier way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm grateful that there are people like you in the marketplace, Arlen, that you're willing to educate and help and inspire the next generation. And we will, as a community of real estate investors, we'll be better for it. So thanks, guys. So in the chat box, one last time, if you can just say a a thank you to Arlen, make sure you've maybe done a a picture or a post or a tag, tag us in, in your post that you've watched this. And that just some of the gold nuggets that have just been, just been just dropped here tonight. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I could go on here only one more time, but but I'm probably going to start getting really gushy here, but you'd have made a difference in a lot of people's lives. And I just want you to make sure you know that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, 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 hope you enjoyed that two-part uh, training program with Mr. Arlen Dolan. So I, I, I hope you got the um, heart that was poured into this. I hope you got the intention and the amount of work and the expertise and just the love and support and encouragement and inspiration that Arlen and I tried to pour into this um, this two-part training program. Now, guys, if you are interested in maybe taking the next step, if you're interested and maybe you're struggling to grow your real estate portfolio, learning how to raise capital, learning how to um, sales and negotiation and those amazing skill sets. If you're interested in learning more about that, I have an entire section within my Raising Capital Academy online platform where we go in depth into how do you pitch your deal? How do you present your deals? How do you qualify investors? PowerPoint presentation decks, multiple, I think there's like 10 different um, templates there that you can just literally download the presentation file and put in your numbers and you have a killer presentation file for yourself that closes capital. So if you are interested in growing if you're interested in scaling, and if you're interested in learning how to raise capital, sales and negotiations, I highly encourage you to check out the Raising Capital Academy. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, in the show notes, there will be a uh, link where you can jump in and read all the details. The one thing that I will tell you is when you do jump onto that web page and you start reading through it in detail, you will find out there there is a tremendous 
amount of information available for you to read about the Raising Cap Academy. And the reason being for twofold. Number one is that the program is that deep. It is not just a joint venture program. It goes so much deeper into building out your team, building out the education, time management strategies. How do you have the right mindset? How do you raise the capital? All those obstacles that I share that are the biggest obstacles that people will face in growing a portfolio, we hit them head on in that online program, okay? So if you are interested in growing, scaling, taking your business up to the next level, I would encourage you to check out the link in the show notes and read all the details about the Raising Capital Academy. Okay, gang, you know how we end off all these podcast episodes. We end them off the same way. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.